0: As a mother, wife, and divorce attorney for over 15 years, experience has taught me a lot about how to deal with times of uncertainty, transition, and facing opportunities for growth. I'm happy you're joining me for this part of the journey. For the past 10 and a half years, Gracie Alvera has served the citizens of Dallas County as an associate judge in the family courts. Recently, she announced her decision to run for the 303rd District Court Judge position. Today, she's here to talk with us about her passion for helping families in transition. Welcome. Well, thank you for having me here. <laughs> um, I would love to learn about what led you to family law. How did you become involved in family law?
1: Well, I was in undergrad, and I was studying, my, or I was working towards a bachelor's of social work, and I ended up working with my brother. He's an attorney in Oak Cliff, and he's been an attorney for about 30 years, but I started working with him, and he did a lot of family law, and that's eventually I ended up going to law school, and I ended up in family law. That's how I ended up there. <laughs>
0: And one of the things we were talking about earlier was the fact that um, you knew early on you really wanted to be in a position of helping people. Yes. Um, and of course, in family law, there's lots of opportunity to help people. Um, tell us a little bit about that that passion. Well,
1: I always saw myself as a social worker, maybe working at a community center or you know, doing disaster relief or something. I even saw myself as a CPS worker at one point. But when I went to law school, I saw the opportunity that, you know, you can help families, you can do CPS work. And that was one of the things that I liked the most about practicing is doing CPS cases. And I started getting the appointments from the court, you know, representing parents and representing children. And I loved it. I really did. (laughs)
0: You make such a difference um, when you're working with families who are in a stressful situation, obviously, if CPS is involved, um, or also if you're going through divorce or ending changing a relationship. I mean, those are all really stressful times. So I think people often when they're facing a litigation, a lawsuit, which that's what a divorce is or a custody case, Um, they have a lot of ideas about Mm -hmm. what happens in the courtroom. And they get those ideas oftentimes from TV dramas, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, What do you think is important for people to know when they are facing a lawsuit? What ways does reality differ from what we see on TV?
1: Well, it's not like TV where one person is going to win everything and the other one just gets, you know, turned out or, you know, put out without anything. It's not like that. And somebody told me a very long time ago that family law is just good people going through a very hard time in their life. And it's true. You're going through a lot of stress, you're going through a breakup. You're going through the possibility of losing your child or having much less time with your child. Your finances are getting broken up, so to speak, or divided up and that leads some people to make some very bad decisions sometimes. And what we need to just remember is that we are all we are all prone to that or we can all fall in those pitfalls, so to speak, and we all make mistakes and you gotta give people some grace
0: And so of course, in in the courtroom, um, I think one of the things people don't know and understand is how limited we are in our time. We're limited by the rules of evidence in terms of what the judge is gonna hear. Um, And often what, what we're doing is focusing on those few really bad decisions that somebody made because you're right, I mean, we're humans, like everybody makes bad decisions from time to time. And in the courtroom, we're really gonna magnify those very bad decisions.
1: And that's good in that when you're an attorney, you're gonna bring them all out. You're gonna present them to the court so that your client gets more of what they want. But I mean, the downside of that is now you've come to the court and you've basically trashed your ex. And this is a person that you're gonna have to deal with. If you have a child together, you're gonna have to deal with this person for some time. And if you're thinking, I don't need to talk to him past the divorce, That's unrealistic if you really want to parent together.
0: It, it is unrealistic, and not only, you know, not not for some fantasy idea that you're going to be best friends with your ex-spouse when this is over. Nobody thinks that, but uh, although sometimes it does happen. Um, but the reality is for your children's sake. Your ability to communicate with your ex, to be able to have discussions about things that are going on, to share information is going to make not only your life better, but make your children's lives better.
1: It makes a world of difference when you can pick up the phone and call your ex and say, hey, I'm having problems with this child, (laughs) you know, come and help me besides that, I mean, who should you look to for help when you're having issues with your child? You can't take care of them because of one reason or another, or you just need a little bit of financial help. Who should you look to? The other parent.
0: But if you've gone to court and you've aired all the dirty laundry and told all the intimate secrets that were shared in the confines of your intimate relationship, it's really hard to... (laughs) to do that. And unfortunately we see so much damage being done to families. Yes, and you see
1: the endless litigation. Like we were talking earlier, there has been cases that have started when I started working there and they are still going. I have left and they're still going (laughs) and they're probably gonna keep on going for some time. You don't want to be one of those persons where you can't be in
0: the same room as the other parent. That's just hard on your kids. It's really hard. And it's it's hard on your kids, but it's also hard on you because you're carrying around all that anger and resentment yes. and stress. Um So of course, if people can't reach a resolution, um, having a judge to make those decisions is a form of resolution and it does help bring some closure, hopefully, to the case. Uh, What do you love about being a judge?
1: I think I like working with families. I think the one thing that I like the most and I know that they're really difficult cases where the CPS cases, but you know, bringing in the parents and being able to talk to them and looking at them face to face and telling them, "Hey, I'm not your enemy. I'm here to provide some support, some help because I know at the end of the day, if I can help the parents, you know, or you know, CPS can help the parents, get their lives back together, so to speak, it's gonna be better for the kids. And I know that I have a lot of people that are telling me, why do you give them so many chances? Why do you do this for them? They've messed up, but okay, again, I come back to the thing, we all make mistakes and people are going through a very difficult time. And find me one parent that is not gonna take it very personal when you take their children. So if they see the court as an adversary, they're gonna come in, they're gonna be combative, they're not gonna wanna work with you, it's gonna be so difficult. But if they see the court as somebody supportive, somebody that's there to lend a helping hand, all of a sudden, it changes. Mm -hmm. It changes, and the way that they talk to you is different. And the changes that they make sometimes in their lives are astounding and you get to send the children home and that is one of the best feelings when you see a parent really change
0: their lives and get their kids back that's amazing and i am sure um, that those stories really resonate with you um What do you see in terms of um, having been an associate judge? How has that helped prepare you to be a district judge? And, And really, what is the difference in the roles between associate judge and district judge? Well, the district judges are your elected officials. They run
1: every four years. And if they're lucky enough to get the votes of the citizens of Dallas County, they get to serve and the associate judges, there are seven district judges, and there are seven associate judges. The associate judges are hired positions. But whenever a new associate comes in, it has to be a unanimous decision. All seven district judges have to agree on you. So if the seven are willing to hire you, you work technically for all seven of them, but you're assigned to one particular case or court. And you hear, uh, pretty much the same kind of hearings that the district judges do. But the way that the district judge divides up their hearings and how they wanna you know, manage their courts, it's gonna be each individual court, they make those decisions. But mostly the associate judges are gonna hear your temporary orders, your protective orders, motions, things such as that.
0: We take care of CPS, we take care of pro se's in most courts. So those are the differences. That's great. Um, Now, not every county has um, associate judges and district judges. Uh, In fact, in the state of Texas, probably most of the counties have district judges who hear all kinds of cases, Mm -hmm. not they hear criminal and civil. It's it's unique for the larger counties that we have courts that are signed only to hear family law cases. Um, And of course, Dallas is one of those. one of the things that uh, we were talking about earlier is, you know, in the initial stages of a divorce, um, parties need to get temporary orders in place, oftentimes. And so a divorce can take a year or more. Um, sometimes, like you were saying, I guess <laughs> 10 and a half years, which is a total nightmare for those families who are stuck in litigation. Yes, <laughs> yes it is. Oh my gosh. Um, but <clears throat> temporary orders are what allow initial decisions to be made early on about possession schedule with the children child support how the bills are going to get paid who's going to live in the house all of that good stuff most of the time i at least in my practice you know we're able to reach resolution on those issues um, without going to court but if we do go to court it's a full hearing it's witnesses and evidence and um it can take an hour it can take all day (laughs) in dallas county it can and and
1: Sometimes you're coming into temporary orders and the emotions are raw. People have just broken up. They're angry. They're very upset. You know, that's where the bad decisions are made, mostly, (laughs) where one parent won't let the other one see the child or they cut the other one off of all financials. And, You know, so the law allows you to set up some temporary orders and say, hey, you got to share the child. (laughs) You know, both of you have a right to see the child and you come up with a schedule for them to see the child and or, you know, to have some financial help or who's going to be able to use the house in the meantime, things such as that. And I think that's a huge, huge difference in family law that. The law allows you to set that up, and it gives them some peace of mind and get a little bit more, I guess, into their everyday lives, so that they can move on and hopefully start preparing for final trial.
0: Right, it kind of gives it gives some order, mm-hmm. <laughs> hopefully, um, to the new family structure, and and can be very um, very helpful. What tips or advice do you have if somebody's going into a temporary orders hearing? Um, as, as the former judge who would preside over uh, these temporary orders hearings. What, what information do you have for people who are, who are about to go into that?
1: Well, what I always like to, well, we hear, I like to hear, and what we hear is what was going on before the divorce or before the separation. Something happened that caused these parents to finally separate or this couple to finally separate. So we want to know a little bit about what was happening before, who was taking care of the child, who was working, who was the breadwinner, things such as that. But you got to be prepared. It's not going to be, like I said before, it's not going to be where you get everything and the other person gets nothing. It's going to be somewhere in the middle. And it's not about spending all of the money before he or she gets it. It's about trying to preserve some money. So at the end, when this divorce is final, you've got something to divide. That's great.
0: Um, Do you see a lot of um, evidence created on social media?
1: all the time, do not <clears throat> post anything if you don't want it to come out in court because whatever you post, I promise you, your ex is <laughs> watching it, he or she is watching it or they got friends that Well, that's are it, I was gonna <laughs> say,
0: even though you may think that you've blocked your ex, but you forgot that that mutual friend who happens to be friends with so-and-so can see everything you're posting, oh, right? Oh, yes, <laughs> and they
1: pull it out and they have somebody giving them information or if you're taking off on a a trip, they know about it. <laughs> <So> <laughs> don't post anything you don't want in the public and that you don't want to come out in court because it's going to come out. And then the other mistake that I see so much is that after their ex finds out about this, they immediately take everything down. Mm-hmm. And what you don't realize is when you're in the middle of a litigation, you can't do that. Right. And you gotta leave it there. If you po- put it there, it's gotta stay there. And
0: by the way, if you've already put it up, it's probably already been preserved somewhere. So we have evidence that you've taken it down. <laughs> yes.
1: There are ways
0: to find all of that. There is. What are some of the biggest mistakes people make in court, in family court? the social media, yeah,
1: <laughs> yes, and the text messages. I am amazed sometimes at the things that people say to each other by text message, email, just berating each other, of saying some really mean things that you wouldn't say. I mean, you don't say to the person you don't like next to you, but you say yeah. it to this person that you have a child with. So I think that's one of the biggest mistakes in the social media. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I mean, it is, you know, we're all humans. We know what it feels like to be defensive or to feel, you know, like, I just want to get that extra word in. Or if I, if I just, you know, if I just say it this way, they'll finally understand. And and that's all a waste of time. I mean, it, it really, it really, all it does is further the the conflict of the engagement with each other
1: yes and i think a lot of people think that if i just say this to him or you know women think if i just say this to him he's gonna understand why i feel the way i do and not usually (laughs) it it, it doesn't happen that way and a lot of people come into court thinking if i just tell them my story if i just tell them my story they're gonna agree with me 100 percent I'm okay with you telling me your story, but it more than likely, I'm not going to be 100% with you.
0: That's exactly right. I, I always say, you know, I think there's a natural desire an itch to litigate is what I call it. And, you know, you just think if I go in and just scratch it and go tell my story and the judge is going to side <laughs> with me and it's all going to be great. And the truth is what happens when you scratch an itch? You end up with yeah. a big wound, Yeah. right? It,
1: that's, that's one way to look at it. Yes.
0: And, um, and it is it is hard. It's gonna take time to heal from that. And you know, and you hopefully desire healing because you, you want a better situation for your children.
1: Yeah, because once you're done with court, you gotta deal with this person, like I said. And I mean, when I separated from my son's father, it was, he was little and I have, another 10 years to go and I have to learn how to communicate with him. And that's one of the things that I tell people, you got to learn to communicate because otherwise you're going to have a really hard time with this person and you're not going to get rid of them. As long as your child is in your life, this person is in your life.
0: So what made you decide to run for district judge? I think,
1: the helping i really like the idea of making a difference and just working with people i like working with the people the what they call the pro se the people that don't have attorneys i mean Sometimes it, it can be challenging, but at other times it's really rewarding. It's really rewarding to work with CPS. It's really rewarding to help a lot of families. And I always wanted to do something in that kind of that kind of environment, that kind of work. I mean, when I was little, I always thought I was going to be like. I don't know what you would call it, but, you know, off saving the world, working with the Red Cross and going to disaster areas, but that didn't quite work out.
0: (laughs) Well, now you don't have to travel so much, right, as a judge. Yeah, I don't like to
1: fly. That's my problem. (laughs)
0: Um, What, you know, a lot of people don't know, especially, I mean, in Texas, that even our judges are elected, our district judges, and they don't know how to pick a judge. You know, it's not not always one that's... um, a, there's a lot of publicity around, um, hopefully, maybe not, because otherwise that probably means there's a lot of controversy. But what tips and advice do you have for people when they are getting ready to vote in a local election for a role that's so important like a judge? Well, I would say
1: reach out. If you know an attorney, I'm that practices in front of the judge, they can give you a lot of information of what kind of person the judge is, what kind of judge he or she is, and whether it's somebody that you want on the bench. I would say read the articles in Dallas Morning News, they usually do endorsements, and other organizations will do endorsements too, and they put out information about the people that are running. You want somebody that's qualified, you want somebody that is going to listen to people that come in front of them, that's going to become compassionate and wanting to help, not just somebody that's looking for a political move.
0: Exactly. And I think it is um, important along those lines, especially in a county like Dallas, where our judges are, we have criminal judges and family judges, that they they are experienced practitioners in the field that they're going to be
1: judging. <laughs> yes. And I worked for six years as an attorney. I was on the bench 10 and a half years, and now I'm back to practicing. So. Yes, you gotta look for somebody that has experience.
0: In what ways, now that you're back in private practice, um, how have you seen your perspective change from the experience that you've had as serving as a judge for 10 and a half years to the work you're doing now?
1: Well, when I was in private practice the first time, I was, I went to trial. I did a lot of contested hearings. I mean, I had attorneys and other people referring me cases specifically for that reason because I was gonna try it. And like I told you earlier, I think I was a little cocky and I would you know, approach other attorneys of this is what we want, either agree to it or let's go to trial. And that was, I hate to admit, but yeah, that, that was me. But now that I've been on the bench 10 and a half years and I'm back in practice, I don't see myself doing that anymore. I, I think I've learned a lesson from being on the bench that, You know, if you can compromise and you can settle and people
0: can come out of this relatively unscathed, it's better for everybody. You can move on with your life Mm -hmm. because one of the things we were talking about is and, you know, this is a judge when people come in and they fight it out in court and maybe one walks away as a winner. the one who didn't walk away is a the winner, they're not going to let it go, right? No, I mean, no. there's gonna, they're going to come back for round two and three and four, and it can go on for years.
1: And it, yes, I've seen some divorces that while I was on the bench, literally, they were in litigation for the entire time, 10 and a half years, and they're yeah. still going. I have left and they are still <laughs> going. So yeah, yeah you don't want to be one of those families. It just... Yeah. It messes with your children It messes with your finances. It just causes problems all around. And those are the two most important areas. I think of every person that comes to family court, their finances and their children,
0: that's exactly right. Those, those two things right there cause a lot of fear, mm -hmm. a lot of worry, um, a lot of conflict, a lot of stress and a lot of stress. And if you can find a way forward that is okay, that's acceptable, maybe maybe not the best um, you know outcome that you would imagine, but but you can live with it. Oftentimes, that's going to be far better than what you're going to get when you go for years of fighting it out. It's true, and. The-
1: Somebody told me a very long time ago, and I've always, you know, remembered it, you got to remember that in family law, these are genuinely good people that are going through a very difficult time in their life and may not be making the best of decisions. So you got to give them a little bit of grace, a little bit of understanding and, you know, go from there because we all make those mistakes.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I mean, you know, people are under, under a tremendous amount of stress. When they're living in a broken relationship, and you know, facing the loss and if facing uncertainty, I mean, that is, I think. You know, now mm-hmm. we all know what uncertainty feels like. Yes, with, <laughs> but,
1: <laughs> with this
0: COVID, I think
1: we all know that.
0: Yeah, and how how very stressful it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you have decided to run for the three hundred and third district court judge position, mm-hmm. uh, and so tell us a little bit about that decision and what you're um, hoping to accomplish uh, in your role as a district judge. Well. I
1: really enjoyed the 10 and a half years that I was on the bench. And like I told you, I learned a lot. I think I changed, I matured a lot. But one of the things that I really enjoyed while I was on the bench is helping families that are going through you know, the conflict, the CPS cases. I would love being a district judge and making some change on how you approach CPS cases, how you approach cases in general my thing with the CPS cases, I know that a lot of families, obviously, like we were talking, it's one of the most stressful things. They're children and they feel like if you're taking your ch- they're taking or the court is taking their children. Find me one parent that wouldn't take that, you know, very defensive, coming at everybody. So what I like to do is when I had the CPS parents in front of me is tell them we are not your enemies. We are here to support you. We are here to help you in whatever way that we can, because what we really want is for you to heal or get the help you need and hopefully reestablish your families. And that was one of my I mean, I loved CPS cases. That's always been a passion of mine, the CPS cases. I worked on CPS when I was in private practice. I loved doing CPS cases when I was as an associate judge gone to the extent of becoming a foster parent because i really believe that we can make a difference but you know in cases in general i think if we take just a different approach to all of the cases and hopefully we can find more resolutions things
0: that can help the family to help them heal because the ones that are affected the most are the kids And, you know, this work is so important. This is affecting not just the people who stand before you, but generations. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is, you know, it has a lasting impact um, on how those children are gonna grow up and how they're gonna parent and the stories that they're gonna share with their children. And to give a a glimmer of hope to families who are in a bad situation um, to help strengthen them and, you know, hopefully reunite and, you know, allow those children to go on is, is great work.
1: Yes, and you can make a huge difference in some of the kids' lives. I mean, I just got an email, and I'm so proud of this, C- this little girl that I worked with in a CPS case, and she got adopted out. She's always been my happy story because it was just such a difficult case, and at the end, she ended up getting adopted. And she's graduating from high school, and she reached out to me and, you know, invited me to her graduation. Oh. And I yeah, I'm just so proud of her. That and, is
0: awesome. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think there's always hope in the midst of whatever life struggle, um, whatever battle you're in, um, There, there is hope.
1: And mm-hmm. it's just
0: about, you know, taking the right steps, being able to create a vision for what you want in that next sta- stage and then taking the steps to get there. Yes. Um, okay, do you have any other uh, Any other words of wisdom maybe for somebody out there who right now is facing a legal battle and um, they don't quite know what to expect? Well, I would say choose an attorney that you can talk to
1: and that you have a good rapport with because they can lead you and they can direct your case in the way that you want it to If you don't want something so high conflict, the attorney can tell you what's the best way to get through all of that. And they can prepare you for the hearings and tell you what you're going to expect, because it's not going to be like you see on the TV. (laughs) It's not, you know, where one person gets completely vindicated and the other one is just left, you know, stunned at what happened. It's going to be. I have two good people normally that are in front of me, maybe not making the best of decisions, maybe making some mistakes along the way, but it's not gonna be just one person gets everything and the other one is shut out. So you really want an attorney that's gonna talk to you about those things, that's gonna bring you to some reality of what you to expect at the court and what's the best way to get out.
0: I couldn't agree more. Not all lawyers are created equally. <laughs> and knowing that your lawyer is telling you the truth of the situation and helping set realistic expectations mm-hmm. of what to expect and, you know, what the likely outcome is. I mean, that's what trial lawyers do is we go try cases and have a pretty good idea, although we can't always get in the mind of the judge. <laughs> <laughs> no. But when
1: you're doing it a long time, you get to know how the judges somewhat think, and it's important to have somebody who has some experience, you know, before the Dallas County courts, and you can predict some of the things, not everything, obviously, (laughs) but some things you can predict.
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming and talking with us today about your passion and about um, your, your hope to be able to continue to help serve the citizens of Dallas, and we'll look forward to following you and hearing more. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me here. If you want to learn more about Gracie Alvera, we're going to include links to her Facebook firm page as well as her campaign. Thank you for joining us.